Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Taylor Eyewalker, who is a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine who I've known for years now and who I consider my own teacher as well. And I'm so happy to have her on our show today. We've tried to do this a couple times and things have been glitchy and and so I'm happy to make this work today. So if you don't know Taylor, Taylor is a master combo medicine practitioner and teacher and kundalini and tantric yoga teacher. She's the creator of the uncoil method and she's just an overall medicine woman. She's been in the healing world for so long and I'm really excited to share with you guys just how her journey has unfolded. Taylor was one of my very first guests on the podcast back when it was called Morning Matcha. So it's full circle. I'm so happy to have her on today and to just share with you a little bit more about her and how she's combined all the wonderful healing practices and different ancestral medicines and teas and everything that she does all into just bringing it all together to help bring healing to the people that she helps. So, hi, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me and um, taking the time to come on. I know you're so, so busy. You've always been busy, but I just feel like lately what you're sharing with the world is needed on a totally different level now. So I'm really excited to hear from you and share more about just like your journey and how everything kind of ended up unfolding to where you're at now. Hmm. Thank you. I just realized there's like a bunch of beautiful birds chirping in the background. And I wonder if you can, you can actually hear it through my microphone. Yeah. (laughs) It's like so in my head, but now I feel like hopefully we get to hear some. I know, like in the density of the city that at least these beautiful birds are like chirping right outside of the window. Yeah. 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 So tell us, tell us about your journey. I mean, you grew up in the South and you found your way to LA and you've done so much healing on yourself and you've brought that forward for the people that you've helped as well, including me. And I, I think what I mentioned this to you, but one of the things that makes it's so unique to work with you is yes, the component of being able to blend so many different healing practices in one, but also the fact that you just, you can just tell when someone's in your presence and when you're working with them, you practice what you preach. You're a woman of your word. You are fully present with the person that you're working with and you just intuitively I it just feels like you know you're just so in tune with whoever it is like for me for instance that it feels like you just intuitively know what exactly to bring forward for that particular session so tell us how um your journey your personal journey brought you to be able to do at one-on-one sessions with people. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in some ways, like my personal life and my personal journey is not like 
So interesting. Sure, I've been through, I've had a lot of experiences. I've done a lot of things. I've had a great journey. Um, I've shared about it a lot, actually, in many different spaces. Um, but I think to deduce it down to the essentials, I'd, I was talking about this this morning, actually, how the time, the effort, the work, the concentration, the practice, the continuing to stay with something, even though I had not really built anything for myself to, to show for it. It was like, I knew that I kept needing to study. I knew that I kept needing to practice. I knew that I kept needing to stay under mentorship. And I knew that I had a great potential. And I just kept working at the things that I was really passionate about and doing it on myself and exploring things with myself and practicing through myself. And so what I've taken away from like the 20 plus years of being in a focused life in this way has been, I am actually living a life of experience where I am able to authentically transmit what I have practiced and learned and gained. And that is something that I've always wanted, something that I always knew that was available to me. And it was the only authentic path that I could walk. It was, you know, no uh, amount of letters after my name or degree would actually give me what I was looking for, even though I feel like it gives people a great deal of knowledge and it has given me a great deal of knowledge, the, the experiential wisdom that I've been able to cultivate over these years of concentration has been the most valuable thing that I'm able to offer to being in a space with another human being. And I think that is what a person can feel when somebody has actually attained a level within themselves, right? I mean, we're always growing and we're always learning, we're always evolving, but we can really feel when we're in the presence of somebody who has deeply practiced something. And and so that's like where I find that my gift lies and I can rest in the gift that it's mine. I've owned it. I've earned it. And I've given that to myself and how I can transmit it to others. I don't know if that directly answers your question, but it's the most authentic thing that's emerging through me right now. No, that makes perfect sense. It's not that... Um all of that studying and all that time under mentorship and all that time over the last 20 years, over 10,000 hours that you've been, you know, studying all these teachings and ancient medicine practices, like wasn't important. Obviously that was really important, but it's the fact that you were also practicing that with people while you were being of service and that experience that you gained like that. Yeah. It makes sense that that's really where, um, it becomes important. I don't know. I don't think like important is the word that captures it, but yeah, you can tell, you can just tell when you're with someone, 
um, with that much experience. So someone like you, um, it's different than someone who just got out of medical school or naturopathic medicine school and they just have all these ideas, all these theories, right? Yeah, or I think in any training, you know, it's like there's so many different trainings out there and people can basically do a training, pop out in a week or two and call themselves something. And I, uh, while I find that that's interesting, that people can learn techniques and tools and ways to do things, it doesn't mean that they have uh, earned the authentic transmission to offer another person that time of actually sitting with something and practicing something and being with something and, and uh, embodying something is really the transmission. And so um, that is like in the age where everything comes so quickly to people and I see it so much, like people can, you know, yoga teacher trainings are a perfect example of that. Oh, where, oh God. <laughs> oh, a 200 hour yoga teacher trainer. Oh, or teacher, you know, and I'm like, great, you know, you know, you did yoga teacher training for two weeks and you think that, you know, you have embodied yoga? No, your practice of yoga is the embodiment of yoga. And that is in such your transmission. And so uh, I feel like, you know, coming back to like roots and coming back to the earth, we in the age of immediacy need to come back to what true practice and what time and uh, wisdom cultivation and true growth and, and, authentic intuition can actually provide us. And so, you know, I think a big part of this conversation is that I really want to encourage like deep learning, deep training, deep studying for people, you know, and in the, the world of Chinese medicine or in martial arts, for instance, or Qigong, like you only know if something is your practice until you've practiced it for five years. Like in that that in the Taoist way of understanding things, you don't even know if something is your practice until you've practiced it for five years. You're not even able to say it. And so you practice it to know if it's yours. And I really appreciate that way of being because then there's no rush, right? There's no rush to become something, to be something. And, you know, in a Western culture of building one's empire, you know, let me build my empire. I'm going to build it fast. And um, and be something and do something it lacks true embodiment when you say I completely agree and I think I mean yeah exactly that's just the mentality here it's like oh start a company or let's like you said take a training or do this and then and then you can be this person or build this thing that or this new thing like make a course I mean you get like sponsored posts about people who are like I have a course Mm -hmm. that I made and mm -hmm. I made $20,000 off of selling it. Now I can teach you how to make a course. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this course that you're telling people to make? Yeah. It's like so insane. And I mean, good for people to, I, it's great for people who want to just get up and do something like that's 
inspiring in and of itself, right? Like instead of just sitting down and wallowing or just watching Netflix and being so passive about all the things that we can do in life. But then it's so great that someone gets motivated and does something. But again, there's nothing compared to the expertise that is offered when someone is a master and what they do or really passionate about what they do and something that they've done for years. And again, like one of my favorite quotes is it takes years to be an overnight success. And it's just like what you were saying. It takes years to learn something and learn the ins and outs and of things and understand it and tweak and adapt and really become something. Um, but again, at the same time, you know, when you first start something and you're really wanting, I think like the being in your twenties is that was a really hard time for me because I early twenties, right. When you're like done with school, you don't know what you want to do. You try out all these things. You feel like a fraud because again, 200 hours of yoga teacher training doesn't really do much, but it's great for your personal practice. And so, yeah, like, I think it's great. And I think like what you're saying, the conversation is keep that curiosity, keep that light and have that continue forever. And don't ever feel that you're the end all be all expert on something and always be willing to throw your whole world perspective upside down. And I, I, that's something that I've been like really open to lately mm -hmm. over the past couple years. For me, it's been like, I'm totally open to have someone come in and shift my entire worldview and throw it upside down and tell me why, what the way I see things is completely wrong or whatever, or maybe I, I don't see it the way they see it. And I just, I love that because I think that that's been so um, helpful to keep things fresh for me, to be more um, accepting of other people's perspectives and, and still have my own. Right. But then I think that's like the issue right now, especially, I mean, there was like that movie, that social media movie that came out like the Facebook or I don't remember. Right. Like, and it was like, talking about how we're just polarizing everything to the point where we're we're creating all these extremes and people can't even have a conversation and that's terrifying but um i want to get into so many other things i i kind of want to um start asking you a little bit more specific about getting a little more specific about the different types of healing practices that you've studied and that you offer, because that's another thing that's very unique that you do. And something that I really love and appreciate that we try and highlight, you know, at the fullest is we love all these ancient healing practices. One might be better for um, someone than another is. And the beauty is that we can empower ourselves and have the curiosity to like look into what we feel is right for us and and choose to potentially work with a practitioner or work with someone but i i think that combo is definitely something that's lesser known to most people and that's something that you um you've really studied taken the time to study and understand and have shared with people so i'd love for you to take us a little bit through that and as a whole, like 
Taylor has is a master combo practitioner, a Kundalini teacher. She has been trained in understanding the power of oxygen and in understanding ozone therapy, other ancestral medicines, and also like serves tea, like for fun on the side and has a tea practice of her own. Um, so you offer so many things and you, yeah, you just have this knowledge and this wisdom of bringing all these beautiful different um, healing modalities and bringing, and that's the other thing. It's like these ancient healing rituals that are also brought for the modern person and modern woman. And again, like ozone isn't ancient. That's a new thing, but it's a, it's a healing practice that can be incorporated in what you've done. So tell us a little bit, let's start with combo. Hmm. I'm just going to start with saying one thing to everybody who might be listening. Uh, defer to the wisdom of the elders. And, you know, in our, in our world, we often overlook that. And if we could just take a moment to think about the time and the years and the lineages of people that have come from your family, um, healed or unhealed, right? And we can learn so much from various lineages, including our own, about how to inform our own world. And in regards to combo, I feel like I healed a very deep part of my lineage by working with this medicine. And I had always been very connected to, to South American medicine in particular. From a very early age, I, I was curious about herbalism, most particularly Chinese herbs. And then I was introduced to Amazonian herbs. It was a whole world that I was like so unfamiliar with, but I had been working in Chinese herbalism and I was invited to go to the Amazon and that was my first real kind of touch in 2005 um, with the world of Amazonian medicine. And so combo is really interesting because it's not a plant. And plant medicine is very, very common in the Amazon. But combo is an animal medicine, which has its own really unique spirit to it. And it is comprised of 20 different bioavailable peptides and that we know of so far, that we've been able to scientifically research with many peer-reviewed papers. And these particular peptides do various things in the human body that support function of the brain, um, detoxification of the liver, the gallbladder, uh, clearing of the uh, intestinal tract, the gut in particular, peptides that are responsible for helping um, reduction, reducing, or eradication of viruses, pathogens, bacteria, yeast, fungus, protozoas, um, and then uh, peptides that are also responsible for helping build collagen. Isn't that cool? So they're pro-inflammatory uh, peptides initially, and then anti-inflammatory peptides as an effect or post-medicine. So, but it helps build collagen production in the skin, which is why the skin can change a great deal, and why, like, I call it like my secret beauty 
my beauty regimen <laughs> is because I feel like people start to just look younger, look differently. Like the collagen in the skin is produced differently. Um, so there's just many, many peptides uh, in combo that are so powerful. Additionally, the deltorphin peptide is uh, like many times more powerful than morphine. And so people that are experiencing a great deal of pain uh, it binds to the receptor site in the brain that is uh, turning on the opioid response. But again, it's not flooding the system with opiates. It's just turning on that pain response in the brain. So it tells the brain it's no longer in pain or it can be happy. It can be balanced. It can be peaceful. So it's really different than flooding the brain with a pharmaceutical, right? You are essentially turning on those receptor sites. And I like to call that adaptogens or uh, like it's basically like a very profound uh, long-term nootropic that when used properly and effectively, you can actually turn on these receptor sites that have been damaged in the brain by way of, you know, drug use or trauma or all of the various things that happen to us in our life that turns the brain off, we can start to turn the brain back on. Um, you know, I can talk about the, the way to utilize combo. Combo is a subdermal application medicine. So it's actually applied to the skin and it's applied to the first layer under the skin and makes contact with the lymphatic fluid. And we know, and if you haven't learned yet, the lymphatic system is, it's like the guardians of our health, lymphatic, endocrine, guardians of our health, guardians of our immune system. And we don't have a, a, a depository waste system for the lymphatic system that happens naturally. So it becomes our job as human beings to know how to flush the lymphatic system properly so we can deposit waste through the lymph, which helps our immune function. And so it's just so amazing how combo has a profound effect at many different regulatory systems of the human body. And that is why it is so responsible for supporting people that are in many different states of health conditions and or people that are overall very healthy and just wanting to take their life to the next step. It meets you, this medicine meets you where you are at and it builds upon it, right? And it builds upon it in a way that I find is very authentic to our blueprint and it, it does not steer us from our blueprint. Whereas, and I'll caveat by saying some plants, plant spirits are very powerful. They have their own very particular agendas where they want to kind of take you on their agenda. That's plant spirit medicine sometimes. It's like, like the powerful plants like cannabis or ayahuasca, you know, they have... Yeah benevolent but very profound agendas and that might not be the human being's dharma or the human being's blueprint and what i find in combo is that it strips away what is not our blueprint what is not our dharma what is not us what has been conditioned upon us 
conceptually in the world, uh, what we've been exposed to, and it connects us to what it is our dharma is. And, and it takes time for people to, to realize that sometimes because they've got a lot of other things in the way from being able to truly see themselves. But eventually, if a person um, can get clear enough, can be supported by getting clear enough, they can actually start to see their own blueprint, their own dharma, their own destiny. And I find that this is a helpful tool in working with the master, which is the consciousness, to find our way back to the truth of what we came here to do and be in this world. As you may or may not know, we've been sharing the benefits of saffron with our community for a little while now. Growing up in a Persian family, I'd been aware of the benefits of saffron because of its prevalence in my mother's cooking. But as we began on the journey to create our own line of saffron-based products, I began to learn the powerful science behind the plant. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years, and now the research is backing it up, proving that just 30 milligrams of saffron per day is a natural source for enhanced emotional and physical well-being. At the fullest, we believe that incorporating ancient wisdom into our modern lives is one of the most powerful and accessible paths to healing. We also believe that everyone's journey is unique. So for our latest launch, we've created a line of saffron products in a variety of formats to help you curate saffron in your personal daily routine. Warm Feelings is our saffron latte powder and comes in individual sachets and in larger sustainable glass jars. Made with just certified high-grade saffron, organic coconut powder, and cardamom, it's the perfect coffee alternative and feel-good start to your day. If you prefer to pop a pill, Kinder Thoughts is our 30-day supply of saffron capsules and a super simple way to support your body and mood with the power of saffron. And if you're looking to strengthen your immune system, try our Mindful Immunity Syrup. This healing blend uses saffron to reduce inflammation, but also harnesses the power of an ancient Middle Eastern berry called barberries to fight infection, along with sea buckthorn and elderberries, all in a base of manuka honey to aid in antibacterial healing. It's a true immunity powerhouse. Honestly, at the moment, I'm using each of these products on a daily basis, depending on my needs. And to help you begin your own saffron journey, we're offering a discount of 15% off just for our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. Wow, that's so beautiful. You touched on so many things I haven't thought about with combo. And I've personally only tried it once, but I didn't think about the difference between a plant medicine and an animal medicine. And I don't even know if I know of any other animal medicine that is used. I'm sure there are many um, in the the world. Yeah. And then I love that you mentioned tap like just the elders and tapping into their wisdom and appreciating that because um this kind of segues and a little bit into what I want to ask you about like a group meditation or group practice versus an individual practice when it comes to something like combo or other things that you um share because I was thinking about how 
in in the food wellness world, we talk a lot about the caveman diet or this diet or that diet, whatever it is. But let's say the caveman paleo specific diet. Um, I think about how for me personally, I've tried so many different things. Um, I appreciate certain elements of it. But when I think about a caveman, I think about someone who's in fight or flight for the most part, who's not necessarily like tapping into um, our intelligence. Um, It's more like intuitive um, intelligence and um, it's more nomadic. You know, cavemen are typically thought of by themselves, um, wandering, right? Whereas as we started to um, settle, we have that, like, we have more culture, we have that wisdom that's a collective wisdom from our community. Um, that's more of like where I see when I speak in terms of food for myself, like, I tap into that ancestry where I like um, certain things that go back to that time period. But when I think about, um, it reminds me like an individual practice or collective practice, like kind of reminds me of that analogy. And so I'm curious, um, would you say that certain people thrive more on a one-on-one basis, certain people thrive more on a collective basis, or you would do or recommend, um, an individual or collective, healing practice based off of what someone wants to work on. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, I work with individuals. I work with groups. Um, I think it really depends on what it is that we're talking about. But in regards to some of the medicine healing work that I do, like combo, for some people, it really is appropriate for them to sit privately they need that space without distractions to fully go into themselves. Some people can actually hide in a group. They can do their little hiding and avoiding patterns. And I think that's why, uh, you know, that's why some people choose to come to a group because they don't have to be fully seen. But hence, I think that's why it's important for some people to sit privately. And additionally, some people are, so private, so avoidant of actually opening up to a group, being seen in a group, that it could actually benefit them to sit in a group healing environment. So I think if we're talking about seeing ourselves accurately and truthfully, we want to look at our patterns and what are the patterns that come up and what draws us to do what we do. And, you know, I'm not going to, to, if someone, if someone's patterns coming up, they're like, I just don't think I could do combo in front of another person. I'm not going to say, you know, I really think you should sit in a group. I'm going to be with them and work with them and sit with them in such a way that they themselves can eventually see that, maybe they are hiding from being seen. It's not actually my job to say, hey, you're hiding from being seen. It's my job to encourage someone to start to look at themselves more honestly. And sometimes that takes a great deal of time. And I'm not here to coerce 
or convince someone of what I see is the job of, of caretaking safe space for another person is to, to meet someone where they're at. And in regards to Kundalini yoga, I think there's great power in the group energy field. I think we can uh, feel it very deeply when we are in a group practicing Kundalini yoga and everyone is moving with the breath and the mantra and the movement and we're creating a very powerful energetic force. And yeah. sometimes it's appropriate for someone to receive more customized kriyas, meditations, uh, advice, teachings for their growth and benefit because not every kriya is right for every person. Not every meditation is right for every person. And I don't know that every kundalini yoga teacher would agree with me when I say that because they'll always have something to say about what Yogi Bhajan said about that. But I'll say not every kriya practice meditation is right for everybody at the particular time of life that they might be in. And we have to know that these kriyas, meditations, practices are very powerful they build energy in particular ways, and depending on what someone has going on for them, we want to make sure that we always look at how to support the person in coming back to homeostasis and coming back to balance. And like, if there's any mission I have in the world, it's how do I support the human being that's in front of me, whether in a group or privately, how to come back to balance, come back to a space of homeostasis so they are feeling free and clear and in their heart. And uh, so it's not a direct answer to your question, but I think it's a, an important one because we want to look at getting back to the truth and we want to look at our own patterns and we want to look at at how to come back to balance in a world that is really pushing us to be polarized in one way or another. No, I think that was a beautiful answer. And I, it's interesting, like I was thinking about my experience with plant medicine and my experience with Kundalini yoga. Like I, for the majority of the time, I only ever did a private practice with you. And I've only taken a few classes and some of them mainly have been like on a retreat with you, right? With other people in there. So yeah, it's um, for me personally, I loved that one-on-one. -on -one. I loved that idea of working on something specific, but also I was going through a lot like health wise or starting a business and stuff like that. So I wanted that one-on-one, -on -one. but with my plant medicine experience that I've only done one time. Um, but I, with combo specifically, I felt like it was interesting because I did, um, combo first and then I, it like rocked me out of the, it was like, I did it in a group setting, but even if I wanted to hide, I couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it really showed me like, stop holding things in. And then with I, I'm, but I'm also an empath. So when I did my ayahuasca ex, um, ceremony and experience, I 
remember, I think that it was too much for me to be in a group setting in that because I, I mean, I learned a lot, but I, I feel like, I mean, all I did was look up at the top of the year and say, it's okay. You may go now for like hours. I just repeated that. And I think I was taking on other people's stuff. So I was like cleansing that, but then it took me back to my childhood. So I learned a lot, but I almost feel like I, um, in a way, like when you said, you can hide. I felt like I just used that as a way to hide and just focused on that aspect. So I think it's interesting. I think what you brought up brings up it. What you said was perfect. You said, really, it, we just need to go back to truth and the truth of what it is that we want to work on and the patterns that we see in ourselves. And I think that's beautiful. And you brought in Kundalini. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because you touched on, um, you know, Yogi Bhajan. And I think that it's really interesting because we live in a time where people want to cancel everyone and everything and cancel culture. It's very toxic and the world isn't so black and white. And there's just so much depth that we need to look at and so many good things that can still come out of bad things. So I want to talk about that because you know, you practice and have taught Kundalini and it's it's made such a positive change in your life as well as mine. And I'm just curious how you lean into the teachings while also navigating the scandal. And yeah, just I'm curious what your perspective is on the whole thing. Hmm. Well, that's to assume that I'm navigating the scandal, right? <laughs> yeah. That's true, which you don't need to be navigating any of it. Honestly, to be honest, I don't even know. Like I've heard a couple things, but I don't really even know um, the extent of what's going on. I just know that people like to, even before anything came out or whatever, people like to box things and call it a cult and then they like to cancel things. I mean, it's happening right now with Russia. People want to cancel Russia completely and, and people forget that Mo um, these movements are made up of so many different people right. and so many people are affected by these. And um, to say that you just want to get rid of something altogether because you think that it represents this one thing is really crazy to me. So I'm just curious, like we can just talk about cancel culture in general as well, because it ties into it. But yeah, yeah tell me more about how um, just your perspective on yeah. Kundalini aspect and then cancel culture. I may or may not get some fans here. <laughs> <laughs> I have a great deal of respect for the young women that were associated with Yogi Bhajan in a time where they felt inspired, privileged, captivated, magnetized by a very powerful teacher. And I could not see myself in their shoes because that's not my contract. It's not my karma to have that experience personally in this lifetime but I could see how uh, that, that could be a, a young woman's contract to get involved with um, a powerful teacher 
and mentor and even open oneself up sexually to that space. Uh, we don't have Yogi Bhajan here, living, proving, talking, telling, but we do have women's stories. And if I'm not navigating this, these stories, if I'm not navigating them as if they were my own, what I can say as I am resting in my heart is that we all have contracts here. And some of these contracts, including my own contracts, have been full of suffering, full of deep and unfortunate learning. And, uh, you know, we put a lot of stock in these powerful teachers that have brought forth very intelligent systems. Like if we were to just look at the practice and what happens after we do it and how we feel before we do it, we can say there's proof in the pudding. Breath and sound and movement does something to the human body. It does. And he offered a very powerful system. And then many, many sets of circumstances, thoughts, concepts, teachings, beliefs with which to live by. And again, these are all concepts, concepts to steer people closer to the truth of themselves. And I don't feel like any of these concepts from any system, any cult, any belief-based organization is meant truly at its core to keep people in that place forever and ever and ever. Um, I think the, the true nature of these concepts and systems are that eventually, and I even believe this with astrology, and I'm going to have some astrologers maybe say something different, but we came here to transcend all these fucking concepts. And if we're still stuck in the parking lot of something by saying, this is the way that is, and this is the way that is, and this is how this category fits into that category, and this is the way you need to be here, and this is how Geminis are, and this is how Libras are, and, you know, like if yeah. we're subscribing to that set of concepts, then we're actually missing the point. And I, I, I believe structure in any particular way is set in place so we can explore it, adhere to it, dive into it. And then eventually once we've gained what we've really needed to gain from it, grow from it, emerge from it, find our way, find our voice, find our, our, our true North. And, um, unfortunately the human mind wants to keep ourselves in a box because as long as we have identity we are we have some sense of grasp on this very mysterious world and if we don't have identity and if we can't place ourselves into a box and if we can't align ourselves with some school of thought or 
positioning than who are we? That I think is like the real conundrum of the human being is that when we become free of our identity, we don't know who we are. And, and yet we've come here to know our soul, which is nameless, timeless, shapeless, formless, ageless, and came here to explore based on your belief system. I believe particularly many lifetimes to achieve the path of liberation. Why does the soul want to liberate? I believe the soul came here to express as form in the great mystery of creation. And so I think when we're looking at systems or, you know, cults, we want to call it that, like Kundalini Yoga, it's of the human being to determine how damaging something can be for themselves, for someone. And uh, when we can finally start to get out of the illusion of needing to identify with something to give us a sense of purpose in the world, that's when we, that's when we're really growing from all the systems that are set in place. So that's Eric, I know. (laughs) I absolutely love that. And yeah, I mean, you know, we're so tied to our identity. If something changes, the whole world crumbles beneath us. But I, I love what you said about just, it does go back to us learning our, just learning and having that relationship and understanding our soul and that the soul is nameless and it is timeless and it is ageless. And that is such an incredible reminder. And, and that's part of life is to challenge our identity and challenge our belief system and challenge ourselves and, and growing. And, and that helps, like you said, combo helps with the elasticity and collagen in the face. (laughs) I mean, that's helping us with our mind and expanding our mind and exercising our brain. And and that's, what's so beautiful. Yeah. And, And then again, like going back to our truth and I am, I'd so, yeah, thank you for sharing about that. And I know that we just have we might not even have time for one last question, but yeah, I'll ask. Let's do it. Okay. Cool. So I, I mean, it just goes perfectly into the last question that I had, which is what do you think the line is earnestly following a spiritual modality versus losing yourself in the dogma? So we talked about this in, with the identity, but just in general, like, you know, you've seen so much of that. And I, let me, while you think about it, let me say this. I think that, you know, you know, my story, you know, that I've taken things to the extreme, you know, that it made me sick. Um, I found my way back to what works for me, but I would say like, I wouldn't, I didn't find my way back to another extreme, right? Like completely letting go of everything because that one thing didn't work for me or that one protocol wasn't right for me. So you know, let's in make it simple and say food wise, right? It's like someone takes it way too far with food, but then because of that one experience, maybe then they go and start to totally go off the rail and eat a bunch of like fast food because that one or, 
years of experience just was bad. I mean, that's just like going from one extreme to another. But again, I do believe that you could take spiritual modalities too far or food or anything in this life. So how do we keep ourselves grounded and how do we keep ourselves from losing ourselves and far from the truth? Well, this is interesting. It's, you know, what you were just referring to as an example and regarding people and food choices and one, one end of the spectrum to the next is if we look at it, all the same pattern, right? We bring our patterns into everything. We bring our patterns into relationship with human beings, food, exercise, spirituality, our work, you name it. The underlying pattern is what is the guiding force. And that underlying pattern is the surrogate self. It's not even the true self. And I'd say the way to become grounded and to stay sound in mind is that we actually understand that we are running off of a set of patterns that are informing our choices, our decisions, and our way of doing things. And if we can look at these fundamental patterns and start to get honest with ourselves about them, accept that they are there and face them with courage, then we can actually go to what is really needed. And that is a source of connection to our own heart where we can access some of these very important heart qualities and nourish and nurture ourselves with those heart qualities or nourish the space that we're in with some of those heart qualities, we can come to balance. So if I gave an example of, you know, somebody really throwing themselves into a uh, a practice of kundalini yoga and they read all these meditations that claim they do things like I, I I had a client for many years and she would always want to do these like money meditations she was like really into like getting money and like why is it not working? Why am I, this says that it's going to make me prosperous. It's going to make me wealthy. I'm going to get money. It's not working. And (laughs) isn't that funny? Um, But you wouldn't believe it. It happens all the time. And, and yeah. And so we bring our patterns to practice, right? Where the very source of our own suffering, if we, if we put that expectation on the very thing that we are actually avoiding, which is like, if we're like, Oh, I'm just going to do this practice. and it's going to give me money instead of looking at the pattern of like where our poverty consciousness lies or where our unworthiness lies or where that emotion is actually present to, to, actually indicate that we don't think that we can have what we deserve or 
something along those lines, right? And if we actually look at something that happened to us, maybe it's something we came in with karmically. Maybe it's some sort of emotional wound or trauma that we experienced when we were younger has informed this belief system that we're carrying, that we're now bringing into our practice to think that it will solve it for us. When in fact, it might actually help a great deal, but the underlying pattern may actually still be present. And we could be using our practice as some form of spiritual materialism, energizing these, uh, you know, demons within ourselves and also energizing our strengths, but energizing the parts of us that are actually like quite weak that we don't want to look at are quite wounded that we don't want to look at and and that is the trap right where we don't actually acknowledge what's really going on and we use all of these other things as accoutrements to distract us and when we can acknowledge what's happening internally and i typically think that with the support of a guide a mentor an elder we can start to see ourselves more clearly I think it's very difficult for us to see ourselves accurately. We're living in the world of cognitive dissonance. We're living in many different perceptual realities of ourselves simultaneously. And oftentimes we need clear eyes to help us see, or we need guidance to help us see more clearly. And that's how I've benefited in my own life. And so then we can come back to the heart and we know what's really needed. And when we can come back to the heart, we hold that information field within us and around us and in our aura. And so in that way, we're not swinging from one polarity to the next and one opposite to the other. We are knowing what's really needed beyond the dogma of what we could adopt as a way of being does that make sense that makes perfect sense that was so beautiful thank you so much for joining us taylor i love that and i want to end that on that high note of really using those experiences to go back and see what it's teaching you about yourself rather than throwing it away right oh this kundalini yoga isn't working. I'm not becoming prosperous. I'm just going to throw it away. It's like, it's all teaching us something if we're really able to quiet down and listen and go back to what we really need, what we, our soul really needs, I guess. Isn't it like that Bjork song where, uh, like it's this, is I remember this like Bjork robot video where what you are wanting might not be the thing that uh, you're not getting it from the place that you want it, but because your perception is so limited, you're not actually able to see that it's coming from another place. Wow. Do you you remember that? I love that. I need to see the video. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, just because we think we want it and we're trying to get it from one avenue and we're not getting it from there, it's opening our perception 
and our perspective to realize it's actually coming from somewhere else. So that person may have actually been opening up her field of prosperity, but because she expected it to come from one way, one source, yeah. she actually uh, realized that it was coming from a totally different place. And, and that's wow. how our limited view can actually uh, deter us from really seeing the truth. Yeah, or even thinking that it should come from this one place, you know, like, even, yeah, even like, not wanting it to come from another place, right? Exactly. So interesting. Yeah, so. I mean, it's all just like currency, right? It's energy and currency. And like, we have, Love. yeah, we have no idea how like money will come our way. Like, if we think that money is actually just, fiat currency paper with numbers on it or zeros on some digital account we are sorely missing the point yeah yeah wow well i really appreciate you taking the time to come on i'm so happy that we got to have more of you after all these years um come share with us and i'm excited to see how your journey unfolds and there's so much that I want to share with you about what we've been up to. So we'll have to chat more later. 